What's going on, wrestling fans? Thank you for clicking that link and coming to check out another edition of Near Falls with D. Hall, a wrestling podcast. Today, the super, super special guest is Matthew Coker, formerly of Pitt University Wrestling Team, now is the owner and founder of South Hills Wrestling Academy. We're going to get into all that. We're going to get into uh, his main journey through the sport of wrestling as well as some of his ups and downs really really cool story matt is one of the best people out there as a lot of you know uh just the way he talks about the sport of wrestling with such passion is truly inspiring and incredible but with that being said i'm going to take you right into the conversation um matt is talking about his time with his friends rolling down the highway um, just laughing and having a good time and uh, just growing in the sport of wrestling. Welcome to Near Falls with D. Hall. He's talking on bars and how they win it all. Yeah, it's Near Falls with D. Hall. The final takedown, the glory or the fall. So loosen up. Step on in, wrestle with the need to win. We're talking near falls with D Hall. Ready or not, he's here to brawl. Yeah, I just I just remember all the stupid stuff we did, you know, like going, you know, going to tournaments. We'd be trying to see who could jam as much bubble gun in their mouth as possible and you know, killing time at tournaments. It was it was awesome. Um, you know, my family it's funny because I think about my youth and, and I love what I loved about the sport of wrestling was it was tough. You know, I remember going to school and being like, man, there's no way these other kids are doing rope climbs and doing the stuff we're doing. And I remember being really, really prideful about that. So, you know, I try and do that now as I coach youth, I think about that. What, what kept me in the sport and everybody wants to go back to this idea of fun. Well, to me, like I quit the other sports cause they were fun. You know, we'd lose in baseball and we'd still go get ice cream. I was like, well, that's not fun. Like climbing ropes, doing a hundred pushups, like that stuff to me, was not fun, but it was enjoy. It was enjoyable in a way because it was prideful. It built us up. I felt I felt special. I guess I felt unique, and so that was really important for me as a as a youth. And and some of those connections I made in youth wrestling. I mean, there's a guy. His name's Scott Yoka. I wrestled with his son. Um, his son didn't even wrestle in high school with us, but going through youth together. You know, I, I was probably seven years old, and his dad Scott goes to me, "Hey, if you pin this guy, I'll give you a quarter." You know, so I go out and I pin <laughs> the guy. He gives me a quarter. And, um, you know, we kept in touch throughout the years. And then I won a state title, um, which is a really special thing. You know, as an 18-year-old, you win that state title. And yeah. I got to the Capitol building. And my little – my town had a had – one of the cool things about being in a smaller town is it's a really big deal, you know. Right. Um, I was on the, the front page of our Center Daily Times sports thing. You know, my picture of me winning a state title. And they had a parade. I got to go around town. And, and that was cool. Um, but so Scott Yoakum then, he, he, um, he gave me another quarter. He said, here's your quarter. You don't want to stay title. And, and, <laughs> and then I bought, he was a realtor in town. So after I graduated from Pitt, I moved home for a year. I bought my first house through him, obviously at closing, you know, he brought another quarter. And so that happened throughout my life. It's just neat to know, to know you have people outside of your family that, that care about you. Your whole life is a, you know, and then, and then I, the last, the last quarter he gave me is um, I was at nationals. The last year I was coaching at Pitts, 2017. It was a tough year for me, you know, and maybe we'll get into it in the podcast, but my wife had brain cancer that year. Um, I was in a, you know, a, a position where I, where we lost our head coach and I was transitioning um, out of coaching and just a, just a weird year, you know, and I was sitting there watching the, the tournament and it was 
that Friday night, which is that special round of wrestling, the semifinals yeah. and round of yeah. 12 and, and my sport administrator at the time. So when you're at nationals, the athletes have a separate section they sit in, athletes and coaches. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. sitting down there. So we don't have a ton of access to the families and the fans. But um, I'm sitting down there watching some wrestling, hanging out with the team, and my sport administrator taps me on the shoulder. You know, he's in a suit. He's, you know, a professional guy. And he's like, hey, right. some guy in the stands came up to me, and he said, give this quarter to Matt, you know. And um, <laughs> it was funny. You know, I got that quarter, and I was like, I got to go find this guy, you know. So I found him. And I, got, I just got so emotional because, again, like, he knew what I was going through in that moment and right. with my wife. And um, it's just crazy to see someone, like I said, that you've known your whole life. Like, right. Care about you. And, and it all came from the sport. You know, there's a million stories I could share kind of like that. You right. Know, but well, we'll get into them. Times. So, yeah, so let's, yeah. let's talk about this. So before you run me off the railroad tracks here, Matt, which I love. I love all <laughs> what you're getting me here. So yeah. let's, let's, you know, we have a lot to unpack there. And, and you kind of preluded to what we're going to get into as we, as we dig into your uh, life here in the wrestling and the sport. So yeah. let's talk about this, man. You, you talk about winning the state championship at 18 years old, right? A um, couple different questions I want to ask you with that. You finally win your state championship. You're a senior. Um, when did you commit to Pitt? Around Halloween. My, okay, my of your senior, senior year. year. Okay. Yeah, which at that time was somewhat early, maybe right around the right. time when one of that level would It's commit. certainly not like it is today. you got sophomores it's, committing, it's, right? It's so different, you know, and to me it doesn't seem that long ago, but it, it's so different in so many ways. Right, yeah. so talk about – so how come you decided to, to go to Pitt – and we'll talk about that first, and we're going to talk about your state championship. Talk about why you decided to go to Pitt and not at Penn State, right in your back backyard. You know, you know it's weird. I um, I think Penn State was the was the dream, right? Growing right. up, it was like wrestling at Rec Hall, and and um, it was kind of a dream. And 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 I had a lot of high school teammates that went there. That, that kid I mentioned earlier, Nathan Galloway, was there. Um, another high school teammate of mine, Matt Storniola, was was there. He was an All American for him. Um, and some other kids that I knew really well. I went on my recruiting trip. I had a great time at Penn State. I knew everybody. We went bowling, you know, because right. they were like, what do you want to do? They knew I bowled. I already knew the coaches really well, so we went bowling, and I had a great time. Um, and then I went to Pitt on my trip. So it's funny. Pitt didn't recruit me. I um, I was one of my one of my high school mentors, Chad Dubin, wrestled at Penn State, and he wrestled with Sonny Abe. And Sonny Abe was an assistant at Pitt at the time, and I had known Sonny a little bit. Sonny was coaching club kids and he was also coaching the college kids. And so I, I got to know Sonny a little bit and I loved him because he was like super intense. He was one of the hardest working guys around. And I thought that's what I need. You know, I need that. Um, so when it came time to make a decision, honestly, it, I think I love the city. It was so much different than what I was used to in state college. Um, Sonny was there at Pitt. Um, and I think at the end, Penn State was just so expected that I wanted to do something different. And that was kind of a theme in my younger life is just trying to be a little bit different. And um, to me, Pitt was different than where I grew up. And no regrets there, man. It was it a was great experience doing it. It was great for me to get out of state college and, and grow up in a city and, and learn a little bit about myself. So, yep. It's good stuff, man. And obviously, you still like it. You're, you know, you're living right over there in Mount Lebanon, right? That's and right. Yep. You, you sat your roots and, and you got a couple, guy, a couple little ones running around. And so – Let's talk about this, man. You talk about winning your state championship. Talk about how special that is. You know, it's something you strived for. You know, your town. You talk about your town has a big fair, you know, parade for you. So talk about winning that, and then talking about talk about going to Pitt and the first time in your in the wrestling room at Pitt, and sure. how much of a culture shock that is for you. And you know, you've obviously seen it on the other side, being the coaching. So talk about that. Uh, you know, I got a lot of listeners out there that are going through that first year of college and 
yeah. how much of a mental grind that is. And, and, you know, so talk about winning your state championship and then leading up into actually starting a pit. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had a turning point in my career, my, my junior year where I finally placed in the state tournament. And for me, that gave me the confidence. So going into my senior year, I just, I just wanted to out, I wanted to know that I was outworking everybody in the state. That was my goal. Whether or not I did, I know there's a lot of kids that work hard, but in my mind, I had trained hard and everybody, I earned it. I, I remember never being so confident in my life as the week before the state tournament. Um, I just, it, I remember working out that Sunday, you know, day off, but I, I practiced either as a rec hall or maybe I went to Bald Eagle to work out with some kids. But I remember practicing that Sunday and driving home by myself in the car thinking, this time next week, I'm going to wake up with a gold medal, you know? And it was just like, I knew it, you know? Now it's, it's easy in retrospect, right? Because had it gone another way, maybe my memory wouldn't be so, so fuzzy about, or so, so warm about it. But so it's easy in retrospect to say that stuff, but um, that's how I felt. And I remember going to Hershey and, and it's just everything that weekend. I didn't wrestle great. Um, and my, my high school coach, great high school coach, Ron Pfeiffer, legendary in our area. Um, he was a national runner up for Penn state. He, um, He'll tell the story when I go back for, for practice and stuff. He'd tell the high school kids, like, look, he didn't – Matt didn't wrestle his best tournament in the state finals, but he found a way to win. And that sort of summed up my high school state tournament. I, I gave up a takedown three out of four – I gave up the first takedown three out of four matches, you know. So they were all close matches. They are all nail biters. My quarterfinal match was my toughest. It went into a ride out. Um, and then I had trained all year for a kid, you know. I, basically that year – so back then, Easton and Northampton were the teams to beat. Right. And um, – a kid from Easton, Mike Rogers, beat in the semis my junior year. And so my high school coach before the season, you know, I told him I wanted to go 140 at the end of the year, which would wrestle the same kid again, Mike Rogers. And my high school coach was like, I think you should stay at 45. You know, that kid beat you last year. Just stay at 45. You're doing great there. But at 145, I had to beat a kid named Jeff Eckloff from Northampton. So there was either way I was getting, some, getting a hammer, right? You don't win a Pennsylvania State title by ducking people. And I was like, no, 40 is my weight. I'm going down. And I trained all year thinking about Mike Rogers all summer. I went to Fargo. I went to junior duels. I did both styles at Fargo. And I just worked as hard as I could. And I was training for him. State tournament rolls around. We're both in the semifinals like we're supposed to be. Um, and he lost and I won. I never even wrestled him. You know, I went on to win a state title and that match never happened, which is kind of funny. You know, kids, I think they do that. They train for somebody and it doesn't always go that way. Right. So just try to be the best you can be. And and the chips will fall where they, where they may. But, yeah, winning a state title, man, it was a special night. Um, I remember just being so happy, and my family was there. My dad was there. My mom was there. My coaches, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. You know, just to – it's incredible. I don't want to make too much out of it, but to have a boyhood, boyhood dream come true um, in that moment was, you know, 18, 18 years old looking up at the old Hershey Parker – or, no, I was actually in the Giant Center. I was the – Oh, I nice, was, right? Uh, you guys are breaking was, in the Giant Center. Good stuff. I was the first class, I think, in the Giant Center. Nice. Uh, looking up and, and being down there on back in the day when it was one mat, you know, winning a state yeah. title in PA, it was a big deal. It was really, really cool. For and sure. then rolling in, yeah. And then rolling into my, my college, um, again, I, I just always had a goal, you know, is I remember that night, I remember winning a state title and I had a really close friend, Brandon Gano, who wrestled for Bald Eagle and he took fifth, I want to say, which was kind of underperforming for him. He was really good. And I just remember talking to his dad and I said, Hey, on the national titles now, you know, so that was the next goal. As soon as that one was done, it was checked. Now I'm on to, now I'm on to national titles. And so starting at Pitt, that was the goal. Um, it started really, really fuzzy because you start really far away from that goal. You know, most people, there's your Yanni Doc Mahalases and right. Kyle Hakes and those guys that do it. I wasn't one of those guys, you know. I won one state title and I was lucky to win one and, um, or fortunate, I should say. And so 
that was the goal and it starts out really, really fuzzy. And as you, you work, you work, you work, it gets a little closer and the closer you get, the easier it is to be motivated. So I think the hardest part is when you first start kind of setting a goal like that and then sticking to it, you know, that perseverance to kind of, when it's cloudy and you can't see it, you're not even smelling it. You can't even think about it barely is to keep that faith going to keep that fire burning. I think that's one of the challenges over four or five years to do it. But so my, my experience, my freshman year, I, um, they had a ton of 149 pounders. That was my goal. 149. They had, they had eight of them. And I remember training that whole summer thinking, uh, I've, I've got to beat them. You know, I got to be in the lineup. You know, the red shirt was not an option for me. It, it would have been, but not in my mind. Right. I was going to start. That was the goal. Goal number one was start. Goal number two was go to nationals and goal number three was to win the thing. So, um, I worked hard to do that my freshman year. I ended up making the lineup, you know, I would say jumping in that room for the first time. I was fortunate because I skipped a lot of my upbringing, but in junior high, Ken Sherito moved to my hometown. So Jack Galloway was my youth coach. He was an awesome youth coach. And he also, what he was so good about was exposing us to exposing us to what we needed. Like the stuff maybe he didn't know technically um, he would invite the Penn state guys into our room, you know, and, 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 and work with us. Or I would do individuals with, you know, funny story about that. I, I was in between, I thought water was for, for weak people, you know, when I was like, eight, I wore sweatpants to practice because I thought it made me tougher. I was like, look at you pansies in your shorts, you know? And my stepdad told me once, Hey, when they get water breaks, why don't you do the rope? You know, while they're drinking water, you're getting rope climb, you're getting better. So I took that to heart, man. I would do, there was one night I did 30 rope climbs, you know, I remember it. And um, so, yeah. So Troy Sunderland was at Penn state. He was the head coach at Penn state. And I think he was probably an athlete at the time. My coach, invited him in. We did private lessons with him. And it's funny, I was probably nine years old or something. And then later when I was being recruited in high school, he's like, I remember you, you were that kid that climbed the rope. Right. And I was like, yeah, I was so proud. You know, he remembered it, but, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, freshman year. Pit. Yeah. So yeah. Freshman year. Preparation pit. up to that point. My, my youth coach was extremely, extremely tough. I mean, definitely, definitely, um, abusive, you know, borderline right. abusively. I love right. the guy borderline abusively tough on us. And, and so from that, like sixth grade on, I felt like I could do anything. And that's what I love about the sport is the confidence it gave me to just be like that inner arrogance to like, whatever world throws at you, you're going to be able to conquer it. And for um, sure. For sure. I felt like, I felt like I got that in sixth grade, you know, and, or by that time. So that point happened. And then, and then Ken Sherito was an Olympian. Um, a three-time All-American from Penn State, he moved to my hometown in State College and started running a club. So to your point, there were no clubs when I was in elementary school, which was great because it forced people to build their community programs. Now you get a lot of like one good kid from this school, one good kid from that school. It yep. forced, if you want to have a good team, you had to build it from the ground up. And so right. that's a rare thing nowadays. That's what I'm trying to do, <laughs> you know, right. but it's a lot of work. So, um, but yeah, so, so yeah. So then Ken Sheraton moved. He really taught me how to take it to a new level as far as your level of commitment. Um, and freestyle and Greco and a year round commitment to, to being great. And then in high school, I had a number of great coaches. Um, and I don't want to skip anybody, but Len Rocky was my main high school coach. And then I had uh, my other high school coach was Ron Pfeiffer and Steve Kurzinger was a, was a good assistant of mine. And um, Chad Dubin was a huge mentor. So Chad, who I'd mentioned earlier, was a volunteer assistant at the time. He wasn't really working. I was fortunate that he, um, he kind of took a pause on his, on his career to coach nice. some wrestling. He volunteered his time. He made some good money beforehand and not to get personal with him, but he was doing well enough that he could kind of hit pause on his life for a second. He was young. He was probably 30 years old or something at the time and was just training us like a college program. And so I had access to him, you know, quick story about him too. Um, I did a lot of morning workouts with him and he did a lot of the mental aspect for me. And he's the one that, you know, told me I could be a state champ really. And I believed it, you know, um, 
But the week, like the weeks leading up to my state title, my senior year, he lined up college guys for me to wrestle. So I had a prelim, you know, it'd be like six o'clock on a Tuesday. I'd have my preliminary match. I had to win that one. Then the next, then two days later, he set up a quarterfinal. And then I had, uh, you know, some of these names, they were good wrestlers. I don't know if he paid them to lose to me or what, but they were like legit <laughs> wrestlers. Okay. And, um, I won in the semifinals. It was funny because in the semis, I was up by one myth, magical or mythical semis, right? Right, right, I was up right. By one, and the kid just started shooting like crazy. And Chad hit me for stalling to force it into overtime. And I was like pissed for a second. He's like, "Hey, that's what's gonna happen to Hershey." So right. ended up winning. And then I had to wrestle Chad in the finals, you know. So that was it. Was cool the some of the mental prep he he did for me. But um, he was a great mentor of mine, both in wrestling and in life. So I had felt that I had been pretty well prepped for college at that point. And I was also I skipped the fact that. I spent a lot of time in that Penn State room. So right. through my end of my high school career, when I started getting really, I started getting good, um, I was able to work out with some of those guys. And so when I stepped foot in Pitt, it wasn't a completely foreign experience to me. I did very well with the middle of the road guys. Um, Tarquinia was my main training partner my freshman year, and he yeah. would light me up. He would light me up, man. And and I didn't. I took it in stride. <laughs> I don't think I ever got too pissed about it, but Ronnie's probably one of the best to do it to never all American. And I don't mean that in a, in a, I don't mean that. I mean that as a compliment. I mean that in yeah. the highest compliment. Yeah. Um, and look, the NCAAs is no joke. It's, I don't care how good you are unless you're, unless you're David Taylor, the one that can separate themselves right. for the most of us, it comes down to you, you know, you, anybody can get anybody in any day. And so, I mean, it's funny cause Tark would, would kill me in the mat in the, in the practice room. And then I go out and win matches and I swear I wouldn't have got a takedown all week. And I'd be like, I hope I didn't forget how to take somebody down, you know, but uh, <laughs> no, I had a great freshman year. I ended up starting 149. Right. I, won, I think I won 32 matches. I won, I won three matches at NCAAs. So um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't win a national title as a freshman, but I was in the mix, you know, I made it right. to the final 16 at so, nationals. Did well. So let's talk about this, man. And, and you bring up Ron Tarquinio. Obviously, you know, those who have listened to me in the past, I'm very close to, Coach Ronnie, uh, you know, he really was responsible for um, where I became in a, as a wrestler, though be it, you know, not the greatest, but he took, he took a lot of time into me. So I have a real soft spot for Ronnie. I love him to death. So a couple of things that I was talking to Ronnie yesterday and, I, you know, I was just asking about you because I knew, you know, you guys were pretty close. So a couple of things I want to talk about, man. He, uh, he first off the bat, and, you know, you should take it as a compliment. He said, you were the hardest working kid he's ever seen. Gave 100% of everything that you always gave. And, you know, I see a smile creep under your face. And I know that has to mean a lot for you, but just based off what you talked about earlier. But this is the really interesting thing, you know, going through your college career, man. And, and you were the coach at Pitt, right? You know how stuff goes in college he every said college. every college too. every yeah. college it's not just Pitt. it's every college it's every right college. Yep. yep so he told me that you never took a sip of alcohol your entire time at Pitt in college and that is something that i've never heard before uh you know college yeah. is a is a place where kids go to experience new things to push the boundaries you know why did you make that decision and you told me that you still haven't, you know, taken a sip of alcohol. Why'd you make that decision and how did that kind of morph into your wrestling? Yeah, I'll, I'll try and give you a concise answer because I would say at different phases in my life, alcohol, um, it was different reasoning probably. But I would say it starts when I was a kid. I, I just had some close family members that really struggled with it. And for okay. me, I was just like, I know that's not going to be me. Now, some people do. Some people go the other way, right? Like they got people that struggle with it. And so they go that same route. Um, right. For me, you know, my mom just kind of 
I was, I was a little bit of a, I don't want to say people pleaser maybe as a kid. I wanted to be a good kid. I wanted to be a good kid. I wanted to, like my coach told me I was tough and I was a hard worker. So I wanted to live up to that, you know? And so right. I would say, you know, whatever Jack Galloway told me was the Bible to me, my high school, my youth coach. And then same as my mom, you know, she would tell me, you know, give me talks about that. So I would say it started there, but every kid kind of starts there. Right. And then when I got into high school and college, I was just really serious. You know, wrestling was kind of my, um, I don't want to say my savior, but you know, I don't also don't want to compare it to religion, but it, it kind of was in a way, man. And maybe, maybe to a fault. Um, it was, it was a big part of my life and, um, I didn't want any regrets. You know, I didn't want to say, well, I, I, you know, what if I didn't do this? What if I didn't do that? I want to put everything I could into it. And then it became, when I got to pit, um, I just didn't have a reason to, I already had a girlfriend. I didn't have to go out and talk to girls. I didn't have to, you know, I'm, like I said, I married my, my, my girlfriend from my, my junior year of high school. So I didn't have to do that. And I don't know, it kind of became who I was. Um, and once I got labeled that, oh, Matt doesn't drink, it became easy. Like I didn't go to a party and get made fun of for it. It was just like, well, he doesn't drink, you know? And then, you know, so I also can't take all the credit because um, I had teammates that did the same, that made the same choice as I did. So Drew Headley made the same choice as I did and we went through it together. Um, and uh, Matt Darnell was a good friend of mine too on the team. And he, you know, we always found a ton of stuff to do outside of wrestling, which was important for me as well. That was another reason I chose Pitt. Um, growing up at Penn State, Penn State just seemed like one big frat party to me. And Pitt, um, it just offered so much, right? If I wanted to go explore the city, I could. If I wanted to go see a concert, I could. If I wanted to go see a Pirates game, I could. Um, whitewater kayaking ended up being a big hobby of mine through college. So after we lift on Saturday morning, I'd be down in the woods somewhere. I'd be down in West Virginia or Ohio pile, hitting a river somewhere. So that was kind of my, my life. And yeah, I just never had a reason for it. A reason to, to do it, I guess. And again, I had I had friends around me that made it easy not to. Right. So let's talk about this. And that that's really interesting, man. And you you kind of the straight edge way of doing things. That's that's rare. That doesn't happen very often. So you you obviously when did what year did you all American at Pitt? My junior year was two thousand seven in okay. Detroit. So two thousand seven, Detroit. You you take fifth and you all American. Uh, like a boyhood dream, right? Talk about that. And then talk about, you know, your senior year, um, you know, going into that, you had to think, Hey, this is my year, whatever, you know, talk about that, you know, and how tough it was to kind of go from the top of the mountain, so to speak. Do you finally get your all American to, you know, not placing the ball? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so my junior year, so I redshirted my, so talk about my career a little bit. I had a great freshman year. I made it to nationals at the day NCAAs ended. I was like, I cannot wait till next year's nationals. I'm getting on this podium, you right. know, like so I just was ready to go. You know, I was motivation. So success fuels more motivation, fuels more success. And it's like a upward spiral from there. And so my sophomore year, I was ready to go. I, I struggled with my weight. So at that year, um, me, Drew Headley and Keith Gavin lived together in an apartment. And we were all cutting way too much weight. <laughs> you know, we were miserable. <laughs> Our sophomore year, Drew was making, I guess he moved up from 25, but he was still making 33, which is crazy. You know, he was cutting a lot of weight. Um, Keith was making 157. And he ended up winning Jesus. after I was 74. Yeah. I know, so, that's crazy. So funny, funny about Keith that year is he, so what happened was I was making 49 and I was outgrowing the weight class. Right. Keith was at 57. So I was kind of stuck at 49. Then Keith went to the coaches was like, hey, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm basically done. And so he wrestled off at 65 and, and um, whatever, kind of controversial, but didn't, didn't, Justin Nestor was our 65 pounder. I think he was good. Um, couldn't do it there. I think 74 was probably Zach Dahl. Yeah. 
So he wasn't in the lineup there. Keith ended up finishing the year at 184. So oh he, qualified, yeah, he qualified at Nationals at 84. So when Keith went up from 57, it, it was kind of hard for me now. I'm seeing at 49. I'm watching. I'm, like, trying to make weight. I'm dying to make weight. And I'm like, there's a spot at 57. Coaches, I got to go up. So around January, midway through January, I moved up. And I moved up to 57, qualified for Nationals, but didn't place. And then I sort of had a talk with, with Coach Stoudemire and the coaches and said, hey, I haven't accomplished my goals yet. I just really don't want to rush through this thing and, and say, what if I didn't do everything? I want to do everything I can to make sure I can win a national title. And so the coaches, man, as, as later on as a coach, I don't know how they did this, but they sat me, Drew Headley, Keith Gavin, Zach Schaefer. So they sat four All-Americans that year. Um, and that's a lot of money, you know, just business-wise, that's a lot of money sitting on a bench. And um, they took they, – they had a hard year. And so we all redshirted. And I, I just wrestled like crazy my, my third year there, my, my redshirt sophomore year. I wrestled – I don't know how many opens I wrestled, but I had over 50 matches. I must have wrestled, I don't know, every weekend. I went to Midlands, um, you know, and, and, it, and it helped. I had friends like Keith that were redshirting at the same time. It was perfect. You know, mm -hmm. and Keith kind of, kind of found himself that year. He wasn't – he didn't have success his first two years, and he kind of found himself that year. So um, then we came back our junior year. We were ready to go. And um, that was it, man. We, we had a great year. I had a great year, and basically – um, I had one big upset, kind of not big upset. I was the 11 seed my junior year and I beat the six seed, a kid from, um, Indiana, uh, Becker. I beat him in the, in the second round, which puts you in the quarters. If you want to be an all American kids, the way to do it is you make the quarterfinals. Cause now you got to win one of your next two. Right. And you're on the podium. So I made the quarters. I ended up losing to a kid. I beat earlier in the year, James Strauss from Hofstra. I lost, uh, I think it was in ride out, you know, I went into ride out and lost, but dropped down and was able to bounce back and, that round of 12 night, man, it was, it was kind of crazy. I, I remember thinking I was going to get a kid from Oklahoma. And then um, back in the hotel room, because when you lose in the quarters, you're waiting to see who wins. Right. And it was actually a kid from Chattanooga. And, I um, mean, you're in the round of 12. Kid's good, right? But I'm not wrestling the guy from Iowa. I got it from Chattanooga. I got to beat this guy from Chattanooga to make it. And um, I just remember going to the match thinking, like, whatever it took. You know, whatever mm -hmm. it took that night, I was going to – I didn't care what I was losing by. I didn't care how much time was left. No way was this guy taking this from me. And I just kept that in my mind the whole time I wrestled. Every time I went out of bounds, back to the center, he's not taking this from me. He's not taking this from me. And I remember – and I shared this with all the kids I, I coached, I think, because it came down to this moment. It was a one-takedown match. I had a single leg on the edge of the mat. You kind of have that thing in your head, like, am I going to let this leg go and just get a restart and start over, or am I going to sack up and finish this? And I remember being like, this is it. This is my chance. And I, everything I had to pull that leg back into the center and finish takedown. And I was All-American. Yeah, it was, it was a good moment. Um, I ended up winning my next match. That night, you got to wrestle again. So right after the round of 12, you wrestle another match. I ended up winning. It was one of the few matches in my whole career in a big match where I, like, hit a five-point move early on. <laughs> you know, that never happened to me. Right. But I was, like, a pretty pretty basic wrestler, I guess, and, and just position guy and, and winning on hustle. I was all about trying to win the fight. That was what I was focused on. And um, Anyways, that match, for every reason, I was up. 4-0 or 5-0 early on and I knew I had it and then come back the next morning lost and had to wrestle back for fifth and ended up ended up beating a kid from Minnesota C.P. Slater for fifth but to answer your question yeah I, I you know very rarely did I show emotion when I won and I got my hand raised for fifth place and it was like what like just a rush of emotion you know that flash that flash of energy went through my body and I remember I pointed up to my mom and my girlfriend and um, Jade, who's my aunt basically, but she's not, but Jade, who's my mom's friend and point up to them and, and, um, you know, my stepdad and everything. It was just, it was a really cool moment for us, I would say, right. you know, my coaches and, you know, immediately I remember after I got off the mat, I remember calling my high school 
coach Chad Dubin. I was like, Hey, you got that camp coming up in a month. You need an all American counselor, you know, just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's cool. It was cool to like kind of yeah, share man. that moment with all my coaches and family, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, for sure. And then yep. you talk about that, you know, your family members, they could see the ups and downs with you going in and out the whole way. Right. And that oh, yeah. has, that has to just a feeling like no other, you know, over the past couple, you know, guys that I've had from Pitt, they've all had such high praise for Randy Stoudemire and yeah. everything that, you know, Drew had a great story. Uh, even um, Brian Stout had a great story. Give me your favorite Randy Stoudemire story because, you know, I, I was never able to meet the man and I wish I would have. Uh, I married into a wrestling family. I've said a couple times on here. Uh, my in-laws knew Randy really well. Um, and he just seems kind of like a mythical creature that I was never able to talk to. Yep. So give me a good Randy Stoudemire story for me. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if it was, it felt like it was just me, but I'm sure it was a lot of people. He just made you feel like he was your guy, you know, like, right like a son, you know, he just, he always asked, how's your mom? How's your, she, he knew my mom and grandma were very important people in my life. And he's like, how's your mom? How's your grandma? And he'd always ask, you know? And, um, so just, he just, and I didn't get it as an athlete cause I was all about winning a national title and I got it later in life of like, wow, he really tried to do what's best for individuals and people. You know, he was there to get kids graduated. He was there to get kids jobs and careers and make them good husbands and and family members. And, and so I'll tell you a couple stories. Um, you know, it's not even a, it's not even a great story. It's just who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get home from a road trip, you know, back in those days, these kids in ACC have it so good, dude. The EWL days were so different. <laughs> we would drive to, we would drive to Lock Haven, wrestle a dummy, turn around on the bus, come back, you know, there was no flight to Chapel Hill and get on some chartered bus and hang out. No, no it was like <laughs> per diem money. You know what I mean? These kids don't even know how good they have it, but um, yeah, so we, I remember like coming back from one of those trips one night, like Lock Haven or whatever those late long ones are. Um, and everybody's just can't wait to get off the bus, right? It's like, poof, they disappear. And I remember he's the head coach, right? And he's grabbing the Airdyne bike. And I went over to help him because we'd bring an Airdyne bike to, to cut weight in the hotel or whatever. And I remember going to help him grab it. He's like, Maddie, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. I got, you know, he's the head coach. You know what I mean? Like name another sport where that would happen. Right. And, and just to be, he was selfless. You know what? One word for him as a coach was selfless, whatever it took. If he had to cut weight with you, if you needed a drill partner, if, if, if you needed to borrow clothes, whatever. Um, right. He was selfless in that way. And I'll tell you what, what he meant to the guys and he meant to the team. He never, he didn't tell us this, but going into his last dual meet, which I, I, I was fortunate. I was close with his family, um, his wife shared with me some of the health concerns that they were having, some of the issues he was dealing with. And, and they were guarded about it because, you know, you're leading a Division One program. Um, right. That's not something you want to get out. He, he had early onset Alzheimer's. And right. um, it wasn't something they wanted to necessarily get out to his bosses or the team or the public, you know. So we kept it close to the chest. But I had a feeling that was his last dual meet. Uh, we were going to Edinburgh. Edinburgh beat us 11 straight years, by the way. And, wow. um, you know, I was fortunate to be coaching against some, with some good teams. We, we won – we went seven and one against them, you know, during that tenure. But so we were going for another league title. Um, actually, I don't even know if we were going for a league title that year, but Edinburgh was, it was our, our last dual meet of the year at Edinburgh. And we, Zach Thomas, who was an all American heavyweight for us. And St. Paris Graham, right? Yeah. Absolute yeah. Um, specimen of a human, um, all American and a heavyweight for us. We're getting ready to go on the bus and he calls us and he's sick. He's got the flu or something. He can't come to Edinburgh with us. And we're like, this dual meet's going to come down to the wire, right? It's coming down to heavyweight. We know it. And so we're driving up there 
And I always love to get – we had great depth on those teams. Um, you know, West A guy like Troy Raygard was a great depth guy for us, you know, and, and guys like that were great. P.J. Tasser was the ultimate. Man, we, he wrestled 65 through heavyweight for us. Um, but we had some good depth. And I remember driving up there, and I love doing this, was figuring out the lineup and what, what gave us the best chance to win. And we're arguing, you know. I, I'm like, hey, we got to bump Matt Wilps to heavyweight. He was our 97-pounder. He's ranked second in the country at this time. He's on the cusp of winning a national title. In fact, he beat Quentin Wright in the, NW, in the, in the All-Star Classic earlier. Right. The guy that I was, remember watching that match, yep. Yeah, he was picked to win it. He muscles beached him over and pinned him uh, off an inside trip attempt or yep. something. But he was winning the match. He, did a, he, he was shutting him out. Um, and so Matt Wilps is on the cusp of winning a national title, and I'm trying to bump him to heavyweight to win a dual meet. And, uh, <laughs> and Ernest James from Edinburgh was good. He was a good heavyweight. It wasn't like he had an easy match. And so basically we're arguing about it and, and you know, Pete, coach Peters, the assistant is like, no, we're not doing that. That's stupid. we got to take care of the individual, you know? And I'm like, Bonner, what do you think? He's our athletic trainer, right? Brian Bonner, West A guy. Right. And uh, I'm like, I think we got to do it. We're arguing back and forth. And finally, you know, and another thing is Derek Nelson was our 25 pounder. He was really struggling with weight and basically he wasn't going to make weight. He had basically, he was done. He couldn't get a sweat going. He was done. I basically pulled him aside. I was like, Derek, this is his last little meet. We need you to make weight. You know, and he did. It was awesome. Um, so, anyways, it comes down to it. It's exactly what I thought. We needed it. We we bumped PJ Tasser up to, I think, eighty four mm-hmm. or ninety seven, and we bumped Bonacorsi up, maybe something like that. And yeah. it comes time we're bumping Matt Wilkes. You know, we bumped Matt <laughs> Wilkes ninety seven to heavyweight, and um, he ended up winning the dual meet for us. You know, but I think that just goes to show the reason we did that was to set him out on a win, and mm-hmm. that was bigger than anything to us at that moment. So. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show what type of person he was and what the guys thought of him and, and how special he was to all of us. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, everything I hear from him, he was just like the ultimate man. Just everything, you know, uh, uh, your old teammate, Headley Drew, talked about how he would drive 45 minutes every single day and he would be there all day, those, you know, those every are the, day. Those are the days he didn't sleep in the office, by the way. Right, right. So exactly. There were some of those days where he eliminated the commute. And, and I'll say this, too, as good of a person Randy Stoudemire was and rest his soul, his wife is equal, if not better, because she's the one that raised, you know, they had four daughters and obviously Randy had a big part of that, but, right. uh, you know, it's a big commitment and people don't often, maybe they don't see that all the time of like the coach gets all the praise, but there's a family back there. That's also giving a lot to the program. And Regina Stoudemire gave a lot to pit wrestling. There's no right. doubt about it. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit here, man. Let's talk about ending your career at, at pit. Um, yep. You know, your senior year, you don't get on the podium and yep. talk about that and talk about how you ultimately decided, hey, I want to stay around this program. I want to start coaching with Pitt. Yeah. So my senior year, you know, I just took fifth in the country. I had a, um, I had a little injury, so I didn't get to wrestle freestyle that summer. So it was kind of a bummer. I, I tore my shoulder, um, sat out a little bit. And going into my senior year, though, I think I was probably ranked top four. You know, I was fifth the year before. I had to be ranked fourth or third or maybe in some pool second. Um, and so there's only one goal at that point, right? You've already placed. There's only one goal. you got to win it. And, you know, the year before, I was this close to – when I look at it, this close – it's not like I lost anybody by a lot. I didn't get majored by anybody. I lost by one point here and there. And it's like I could have I could have been the finals that year, you know. And actually, a kid that made the finals, I, I had beaten. So it's like, why not, right? Um, so I'm thinking this year, I, there's only one goal. It's to win it. And it's there. It's clear. I'm actually at the point, you know, I talked about being a freshman when it was fuzzy and you could barely, it's like going through the four pit tunnel, right? You get right. in there and you can't see the end of it. 
Um, but you just trust you're going to get there. And by the end it starts opening up and all of a sudden it's a clear picture of the city. You know, that's, that's like a national title, man. You start, it's so fuzzy there. You can't even see the end of the tunnel and then boom, there it is. And so I was there my senior year. I was as good as anybody. I was prepared. Um, you know, my coaches did a great job and maybe the best thing they did. And for, for us individuals that were good is, is they let us be who we were. You know, they didn't try to mold us into this is what, this is how we wrestle. This is the one way you do it. I would say drew, Keith, myself are all way different wrestlers. And I, I credit our coaches for kind of not getting in the way, um, which, is a, which is a tough trait when you're trying to, you know, have an ego and run a program. Um, so my senior year, you know, run through the season. I had a good season. I was seated sixth at nationals, so I didn't have a great season. I, I always struggled in January, man. January was always tough for me. It was like that stretch, like Midlands had just ended. I had a great Midlands. Um, I made the finals of Midlands. I lost to Kiff Illinois by one takedown, who was the number one, who was ranked number one in the country. Um, but EWL always, I struggled like the, it was like the, the random dual meet at Clarion, you know, I struggled with, I just struggled to perform. So anyways, I, um, make it to nationals. I'm six seed. I'm right where I want to be. It's perfect. I have a great draw. You know, my youth coach called me the day before Jack Allen was like, Hey, I love where you're at in the bracket, man. You're going to beat all these, you know, you, you beating this guy, you beating this guy, you beating that guy. And it was a great, I actually, my first match, I had a kid from Iowa, um, Ryan Morningstar and he was all American for them. Yeah. And uh, I had him first round. And what was cool was Iowa was so dominant then. Um, when you wrestled Iowa, as loud as they were, everybody else in the arena was on your team. You know, Minnesota, <laughs> Oklahoma State, they're now cheering for you. And we actually went into overtime, and he almost took me down, and I, like, went Superman and hulked out of something and took him down. And, and I could just hear the crowd going nuts, you know. And it wasn't our pit fans. It was everybody right. who wasn't an Iowa fan, right? Um, so that was a lot of fun. My second round, I had a kid I beat earlier at Vegas that year. And um, – you know what? I remember being in over/under position, and I, I was like, "You don't win by you don't win by playing it close." I'm like, "I'm going inside trip. I'm going inside trip." And I think just thinking it, you're too, you're a little too behind, right? But I'm thinking I'm going inside trip. I threw an inside trip, and he reacted in a way I'd never felt before, and actually threw it in my back. I scrambled out, and I only gave up a takedown. But it was really weird. I went into ride out that match. I had a tendency to do this when things went wrong early on. I'm like, "All right, I'm shutting it down. I'm going to find a way to win." You know. And so I went in a ride out that match and he gave up his third caution. He basically gave me the match. So I got a point. I'm like, I'm going to win, you know? So I'm going to finish out um, the period and I'm just going to win the match on this caution. I kind of feel bad for this kid. Well, he ends up getting out in the last like five seconds and I'm standing there and I'm so tired at that point, right? Like the match is like, I don't know, 30 minutes long when you go ride out, ride out, back on your feet, ride out, ride out. And I remember even looking at my coaches like, you're okay, you're okay, you're winning. And then, and then time went down, neither of us did anything and they raised the other kid's hand. I'm like, of course, I lost on ride time. You know what I mean? And it was just weird. As, as, as much into wrestling as I was. Oh, man. You know, imagine being an NCAA All-American and messing up that rule, right? But wow. But you're blue in the face and you can't think right and you're right. It's, it's tough. So I messed it up. And um, at that moment, my goal was to be a national champ and it was over at that moment, right? I remember going back in the tunnel and um, just, just, you know, just kind of accepting that fact. Um, it was over. But I get to do what I love for the next two days. I get to go wrestle and I'm going to wear this pit singer for the last couple of times. And I hated losing. So was, I wasn't going to lose again, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, I'm not losing again. I was, I was fully ready to bounce back. I came back with a tech fall the next round. Um, I wrestled a kid from West Virginia who I had wrestled like 11 times and I, I beat him. They're always close, but I beat him. And then the round of 12, um, I had a kid from Edinburgh who won a national title the year before. His name was Gregor Gillespie. And he always beat me. He probably beat me, I don't know, three or four times that year. And I had him in the round of 12. And I was like, well, this, this could be my last match. You know, I, um, 
I'm going to go wrestle my best match and what happens happens. Again, I, I wasn't a national champ. That was already gone. I was already an All-American. I just wanted to wrestle my best at that point. Um, went out, ended up losing the match by a point. I was my, my best shot. I, he was really good on top. I chose neutral. It was 1-0. I chose neutral. I was like, I'm not losing with my head on the mat. You know, I'm going to go swing in here and get a takedown. I actually, ankle pick was my move. I got to an ankle pick and I just, he kicked out of it. One thing would get, end up losing. Um, and the first thing I said to my coaches was, hey, no regrets. No regrets. And I, I honestly believe that. And it's, it's tough to, you know, it takes courage to, to set a high goal like that and to put everything you have into it, knowing it might not come true. Right? I'm going to put all this time into something and all this energy while a lot of people are choosing other paths. And it, there's no guarantees it's going to come true. But the alternative is to not try. So there really wasn't much of an alternative, you know. So no regrets yeah. there. I put everything in. And, I, I, and a lot of people talk about sacrifice. And I don't even think I sacrificed anything because I was doing what I loved. I loved being in a wrestling room. I still love being in a wrestling room. I still love the sport. I love having a purpose. I love training kids. I, I just, you know, so no regrets. I, I don't feel like I gave up anything. Um, and I walked out of the arena and I saw my stepdad, I saw my mom and I remember, uh, I remember shedding a tear with them, you know, it was, and it right. wasn't cause I lost. It was cause it was over. Right. Yeah. It was cause I would never put a single on again, you know, like that was more what it was about. And I tried to share that with my athletes. I coached. It's like, Hey, you know, I, Anthony's in, Anthony's in as a perfect example. His mom, I, I, his, his parents are amazing. Right. And that was one right. of the benefits of coaching was I got to meet so many amazing families and see how they parented their kids. And I got to learn before I had my own kids. Right. And, um, Anthony was having a tough senior year, man. He was such a stud. He was wound so tight. He was one of those kids like myself that, you know, tried to do everything right and put everything he had into it. And it was his senior year. He had never, done, never been on the podium yet. And this was his last chance. And I remember his mom being like, what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? I'm like, listen, I, it didn't happen for me my senior year. And I'm grateful what happened my junior year. But I wanted to be a national champ. I never got there. But I was sad when it was done because it was done, not because I didn't accomplish my goals. And right. so that's, it was such a special time in my life wrestling for pit. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It, it was amazing sharing that experience with those poor people around me and my coaches. I, I have no regrets there. That was, that was awesome. So awesome stuff, man. And, you know, you talk so poetic about, you know, the sport and, and you, it, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. That's the hardest thing, you know, I, me being a coach now and seeing some of the kids that do every single thing right and it doesn't yeah. happen for them, that's the toughest pill to swallow. So let's talk about this. You start uh, you start coaching at Pitt. How cool was that to get back to your alma mater, first of all? It, um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. So it's kind of funny. I had a chance. So I actually took a year off between my graduate right. year and coaching at Pitt. So I had a year – away which helped me helped me remove myself and then re-enter as a coach um but also you know the main reason i did it you know coach thonemeyer offered me to stay i was actually offered to stay and coach and i turned it down because chad dubin again my my high school mentor he bought a gym an mma gym actually bought a gym and turned it into an mma gym um called lionheart in state college and we trained fighters phil davis ended up being in the ufc out of that but um it was fun. The main reason was my, my girlfriend at the time had, she had sacrificed a lot. My girlfriend was the one she would go to Vegas to watch. She'd go to Midlands. She go to, she didn't miss the nationals. She was there. Um, she had my back the whole way through and she understood my priority and waited and waited until it was her time. Right. And, um, she wanted to move home to state college. So I said, Hey, I, you've put up with enough wrestling in your life. So we're going to go home to state college. Eight months later, she's like, let's move back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was like, let's go. Yeah. So, um, 
yes, they call it, you can't go home again. It's the truth. You know, State College right. is a small town. I grew up there. It was awesome growing up there. Great community, great high school friends, but my high school friends were now gone. Right. It wasn't that. And, and honestly, she had some family issues. Her family were, her parents were going through a separation at the time and she was like, right. stuck in the love it. And she was like, let's go back to Pittsburgh. I was like, let's get away from it. Right. You mean that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was never going to hold it over her head that she made me go back to state college. Cause that's not fair. But I was like, you're the reason we're here. So yeah, we're back. And, and it just yeah. so happened. So Gavin was coaching at Pitt, but he was training. So he's in Russia. He's traveling to get his workouts. Right. He couldn't really coach how a coach could be um, to his full potential. So he ended up moving on, went to, I believe, Lehigh at that time. And yeah. I was able to come in and be a second assistant. And awesome experience to coach again, um, to coach at my alma mater, to coach under Coach Stottlemyre and with Coach Peters, who I was really close with. Um, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. And Coach Stottlemyre was such a great person to work for because no ego. He let me handle as much as I wanted to handle, you know. So as a young coach, I got to come in and really learn the, learn the trade and, and run with it, run practice and learn the administrative stuff. It was, it was really cool. And I was extremely fortunate to be a part of some, some of the best teams in pit history and right. some really memorable, memorable kids and memorable families. And, and that's my biggest takeaway to this day, again, was the I, I enjoy the moments we shared um in in athletics but also the the families and learning right. the good and the bad of being a wrestling parent right and um now i'm going through with my kids right so <laughs> trying to learn from them no doubt so let's talk about this man this is something that we kind of teased in the beginning and through every single conversation we've had so far one common thread keeps coming up it's either your wife or your girlfriend right and yeah. you, you talk about her uh with such passion and so, you know, you talk about her having brain cancer. Talk about what it was like going through that situation and, you know, coaching at the same time and how, you know, you kind of – how wrestling incorporated into all that, if it did or if it didn't. Yeah, sure. Um, absolutely. So the best thing about a terminal illness, <laughs> if that makes sense at all, um, there's always a silver lining in things. And – the perspective you gain, not that I had it, right? My wife did it. And right. so I, I, I can't say I went through it, but watching her go through it, being by her side, go through it. Um, and she's still with us. So, right. you know, to this day, she's doing great. She does her scans. And she, so we had a good, mm -hmm. we had a great turnout. We'll continue to have a great turnout over the next 40 years or however long. Um, but, you know, where do I start? I guess talk about how it happened. Um, it was January of 2017. Um, I had taken a group, uh, Drew Headley and I were co-head coaches at the time, right. uh, which was fun, which was a blast. Um, you know, that was, I had been my, I had been an assistant for eight years, you know, I kind of ran that course a little bit. I felt, I felt like I wasn't really growing. And then right. I got the head coach and it was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, so right. it was cool. It was stressful. We had to make a lot of stressful decisions during those couple months. There was a lot of crazy things that happened during those couple months with the team. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure you're aware of. And so, but anyways, it was January 15th. I took, I took a group of kids, John Rizzo and, and some kids. Uh, I think Rob Lee might've been on the trip. I, I don't know. There was a few kids I took to Ashland. I believe it was, I believe it was Ashland, Ohio, somewhere in Ohio um, to, a, to an open tournament just to get some matches on that Saturday or Sunday. It was um, got matches, came back. It was my birthday. That's how I remember the date actually. But I came back. My kids were ready to have a birthday party, but we postponed it to the next day so I could take the kids to the wrestling tournament. Come back. That night, she has a seizure, and she doesn't wake up. And for three hours, I couldn't talk to her. And so I called 
Um, I start Googling seizure, <laughs> you know, like, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, what am I doing? Call 911. You know, I call 911. They came an ambulance. We go to the hospital. I remember texting um, Drew Headley and Tyler Nauman that, hey, I might be late for practice today, guys. You know, oh, no, sorry. Jason Peters was still still coaching at the time. I texted right. them and said, hey, I might be late for practice today, guys. Lauren ha- had something go on. We're in the hospital. I mean, what an idiot thing to say, right? Like, late right. for practice. Like, I'm going to be gone for a few days, you know. Right, but, yeah. You know, sure. the major here. So that happened, and I'll say that that moment, um, she was in her seizure. I didn't know. I hadn't talked to her for three hours, right? She's unconscious. I don't know if she's going to – come out of this okay or she's going to wake up different or changed and you know and and this isn't a knock on her family uh, it's more just to share who my mom is but i called her mom it was three o'clock in the morning right i call her mom she's sleeping normal person right i call her dad he's sleeping he, he eventually called me back and said hey i'll leave as soon as i can I, he had to rent a car he didn't have a car at the time he rent a car right right i, I call my mom it's 3 a.m she answers no doubt right and she's like hey i'll be there in three hours you know like so she's in state <laughs> college She's there in two and a half hours and she never went back. She moved in with me. She stayed with me through that whole process. I mean, I'm going to tear up just talking about it, but right. uh, my kids were all in preschool. My, my son was in kindergarten at the time. So they had their stuff going on. I'm fighting to keep my job at Pitt. So I needed my mom there to help me with all those things. Lauren, my wife, she couldn't drive at that moment. Right. So um, you have a seizure. You can't drive for six months. So let alone her health just wasn't, just right. wasn't right. driving. Um, so she's going through her chemo or radiation, all that stuff. My mom was, a, was, she's a soldier, man. She was there yeah. all through it. So, you know, as I say, wrestling made me tough. I'm the weakest person in my family. And <laughs> I'm, my mom's an animal. My, my, my biological father's an animal. My stepdad was a great human. Um, my brother's a beast. So I'll say this about my parents too. Whatever passion we found, my, my family's into horses, equestrian. My brother lived that life. And whatever path we chose, I chose wrestling. Cause I felt more in control than when I was on a giant animal. Um, you know what, whatever path we chose, my parents were like all in whatever you need to accomplish your goals. We're all in on. And so that was, that was awesome. But yeah, so my families are just workhorses and, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm probably viewed as the baby and soft one of the family. Um, but yeah, so that, that time period for me, um, I don't know. What were we talking about? Why did I start talking about this? <laughs> you were ta- we were talking about your wife uh, having cancer yeah. and I mean, how kind of, was... you know, it, how, you know, you, you had that going on with wrestling and kind of, right. if you can like morph that into wrestling, yes. you know? Absolutely. So, so yeah. So where I'm going with all this stuff is, and, and it was, it was a tough few months there and, you know, getting through and I'm. So. Yeah, you know, I'm a positive person to a, to a flaw, probably my wife's opinion. I'm always trying to find the, the good in things. Like, I don't want to complain about – I hate – like, it bothers me, the people at work I'm with, they complain about things, and they're not willing to make changes in their life or changes in their situation. They just blame the situation. They blame other people, and that's just not who I am, and, and wrestling taught me that, right? In wrestling, it's one-on-one. You can't blame anybody. Um, so I, I remember when she first got diagnosed. So she had a tumor, and she got it removed, and now we're all in the hospital a week later, and we're, we're, they had to – send the tumor away and you're waiting to get results if it's cancer or benign. And, you know, they, they bring us all in and like, Hey, it's, it's stage four, um, glioblastoma cancer, you know, bad news, right? One of the worst, you know, I don't know if it's one of the worst cancers, but it's an aggressive form of, of cancer. And, um, we go out in the hallway and her mom's, her mom's can't even stand right. Her mom, I feel so bad for her in that moment. Lauren's mom can't even hold herself up. She's just, you know, lifeless and, and Lauren's in shock. She's not crying. She's not doing anything. She's just like stoic, right? And um, she's like, 
I just want the kids to be okay, you know, or our three kids. And I grabbed her and I was like, look, <laughs> and not to be too much of a meathead, but this is where I go. And I'm just like, right. hey, look, just like a wrestling match, we don't go into a match to lose. And we're not going in this one to lose. And after this, we're never going to talk about this again. The kids are going to be good. If they're going to graduate from Alabama High School. We're going to live in our house. And I, we, I, have, you know, I have some rental properties. I was like, we're going to sell the rental properties. I'm going to pay off the mortgage. They're going to graduate from Mount Lebanon High School. We're great. We're never talking about that again. And now we're going to go win this thing. Right. So it was that. And like I said, it's like, to me, I always revert back to what I know, which is wrestling. Um, and so from that moment on, we were, we were going through the fight. She was going through the fight. And, um, you know, I shared this with my team. I tried to be as open as I could with my team during all this because – I was learning a lot about life. I was learning a lot about relationships. I was learning a lot about myself. And it was funny. I went from coach to, from mentor to kind of being the, the tables turned and guys like John Rizzo and, and Dom Foreys and, and the guys in the team were, were like, Hey coach, you okay? What's going on? You know, checking in on me. And, and it was really, it was, it was, it was unique to go through that and to see how mature some of these young men could be um, was pretty special. And, you know, I remember sharing with them, look, winning, we've, we, you and I talked about winning a state title and how magical it was for a kid and being an All-American and how great it was. And I was like, look, as we're going through this with my wife and when things get tough, you know, I had some tough moments in my life. My son was born two months early and he was born with a skin condition we knew nothing about. And, and so there were some funky things that happened there. But I said, look, getting my hand raised at Hershey or at the Nationals was a lot of hard work went into it, but that part was easy all the losses, all the bad weight cuts, all the hard practices that didn't go your way, that you got your butt kicked, that time you got tech followed and embarrassed by everybody, but you picked yourself up and you came to practice the next day and did it again. All those moments add up to prepare you for these moments. It's not the winning. It's actually the losing. It's actually the crappy stuff. And so what, what now, what I believe in wrestling more than ever is the hard stuff in wrestling, the stuff that sucks so bad in the moment is the stuff that sticks with you forever. And that's the stuff that counts, and it's how you deal with those things that makes wrestling such a special platform to learn those lessons. No doubt. I mean, you talk so poetically about the sport that we love, man, and it teaches you so much. You, t you talk about dealing with your wife's cancer, and, you know, no one should have to go through that. It's so – it's such a, a hard thing. You know, to power through that and to let wrestling, you talk about, I love that story. You go in back into the room and you say, we're going to beat this. We don't go into any wrestling match losing. Your wife yeah. probably thought like this guy, this is the guy I married, right? Hey, uh, that's incredible. Hey, keep in mind, she takes credit for me being good because I never qualified for the state tournament until my junior year. We start dating. I take third and then I win the dang thing. So, <laughs> Normally hey. it's a, it's a girl takes you down. This is the other way around. Uh, she lifted me up. She lifted me up. Um, <laughs> But trust me, she's into wrestling, you know, maybe not as it. much as me, but she's, she's a fan, you know. That's so. awesome. So let's, let's go into this, man. You, you kind of wrap up your time at Pitt. Uh, your, wife, your wife's going through this stuff. Your family's going through this stuff. Let's fast forward a little bit, man. South Hills Wrestling Academy. Yeah. What's that all about? And, uh, you know, talk to me. You're obviously in Mount Lebanon. You're, you're, you're doing the youth circuit there. And the yeah. youth circuit's so crazy, right? It's nothing like – Wait, even when I went in or when you were there, it's so crazy. So talk about what it's like to kind of go from college, the highest level division one program, ACC, EWL power. Yep. Teaching kids how to shoot a penetration shot. Now talk about that, man. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I had to relearn the sport all over right. again. 
um, which is so funny. You think you know everything. And it's funny. I walked into the Mount Lebanon Youth Wrestling Room. And people are like, wow, like this guy's going to change our program. And I'm like, I don't know the first thing about coaching youth wrestling. No, I always worked with kids, you know, when I right. could. I did camps and all that stuff. But doing a clinic, popping in. Yeah, that's completely different. These kids already know how to wrestle, right? (laughs) Well, plus, like, they want you to show some cool clinic move, and then you go home, and everybody feels good about it. Like, to build a program, right? To to take a kid from ground zero and make him a wrestler, where do you start, right? Right. And so, where do you start with that? Um, So, a couple things. The youth is much different than when I was growing up. It is it is not the same. It is not. And in Western Pennsylvania, it's hard not to try to keep up with the Joneses. Um, even, even with my own kids and Brian Stout has been a great mentor for me as a, as a dad coach, because uh, he coached three boys successfully through it. Um, and he coached them differently and he learned from each one as they went. And he shared with me maybe some of the things he may have done differently in the past and and some of the things that worked and he has incredible children, you know, Kellen, Luke and Mac and his little daughter, Josie, or, you know, she's a little girl, but I'm sure she'll be special too. Um, But they're, they're very special kids and we're fortunate to have them be our poster children for Mount Lebanon wrestling right now. We have kids to look up to Um, Luke's going to Princeton and, you know, Kellen graduated from Pitt and he's, he's giving back. He's coaching with us this year. So um, yeah. What's it like to start at Mount Lebanon? So here's what I found. I I was like, look, we don't need a club because, we, I'm just going to coach the team. I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I was coaching Tyler Whoops in the national finals and, you know, us pit fans, we believe he won that national final. So, <laughs> you know, Facts, like, man, absolutely <laughs> speaking the truth, you know, yeah, man, for um, sure. So, um, and that's a great story in itself, man. Tyler Wilps, he's a kid. I remember talking and Brian Bonner reminded me of this, our athletic trainer. I remember his, his sophomore year, maybe it was his freshman year watching him train and his mindset. I remember looking at, at Bonner and saying, if we can't make this kid a national champ, we're doing something wrong because right. he's the total package. He's athletic. He's smart. He works his butt off. He's got the right mindset and, and lifestyle. Anyways, we're, we're getting in the van after he lost, you know, in a heartbreaking way, right? He's 13 yeah. seconds away from a national title. And um, we're get, we get in the van. None On of a locked hands right? call for my listeners that live under a rock and, and don't know the story, which was. So he got hit with us. He, he, he always went ankle ride off the whistle and he got, he took a stall call off of that. And then they sent her up and he got baited into a locked hands call. Matt Brown went down, touched a knee out of rear standing to bait him into a locked hands call with point eight seconds left. So Trash. any old kale challenge, they won. We lost, we challenged just to why not. But um, anyways, we're in the van. None of us know what to say to Tyler. And this is this, you're a coach, right? Your right. job mentor kids and help them through these moments. I was a loss for words. And Tyler said, it's just another test. I'm going to step up and be better from it. Where are we eating? <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. What a dude, you know? And now he's a doctor. He's going to go on and cure cancer, do something awesome, right? He started an right. off I'm joking about the cure cancer stuff, but I'm sure he'll do special things in his life. He's I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> exactly. Me neither. I expect it. Right. Um, so he started a nonprofit. It's kind of like a Doctors Without Borders thing, you know? Right. And, so support that guys if you can, but he's going to do big things. Um, love that whole family, the Wilps family. They, they yeah, talk. for sure. Um, back to what are we at? <laughs> Mount Lebanon, Mount Lebanon youth. Mount Lebanon youth. Here we go. Yeah. So Mount Lebanon youth, I start coaching youth. I'm like, you know, I'm going to do it in house. I'm going to do it in house. Just like my program did. You know, I came from a youth program. My senior year in high school, we had nine state qualifiers. We had multiple state champs coming up through. We were hammers and we did it in house. And right. uh, I want to do that. I want to recreate a community around my kid I want to have him to have the same special upbringing I had around a community of people with like-minded values and a shared vision. And um, 
youth wrestling, I don't know if that's possible right now. Maybe not this. Maybe not in Mount Lebanon right now where we're at. It, it wasn't possible. We got our numbers up big, right? We, had, we were up to 120 kids in our program. My second year, we doubled. And then my third year, we were up to 120 kids in the program. Things were going great. But I have 40 kids in a room, and the range is so great. This kid can focus for 0.5 seconds, and this kid can learn a cross wrist roll in five minutes. And so how do I – what do I do here? And I started to – you know, we're going to more tournaments. Then we go to areas, and we're like – I don't think we can compete right now unless we do more. So that was the birth of um, the South, the uh, my wrestling academy, South Hills Wrestling Academy. Um, I started it last year. My son was in second grade. He was at a point where, you know, he hadn't outgrown the youth community by any means, but he needed more. He needed different partners. He needed different a different thing than our youth community. And we needed access. That's another thing. It's hard. Our high school is awesome, and, and our athletic director, Grogan, is amazing, but we don't have access on Sundays and it's our only wrestling room. So our, our high school, our junior high, our youth, we're all trying to filter through there. So I needed another space. Um, I rented a church in Mount Lebanon and it started inviting kids from Keystone Oaks and Chartreuse Valley. And, and, and really I, you know, there's already established clubs. So part of me was like, why don't we, I know you're involved with Gladiator. Why don't we just go to Justin Waters and Gladiator? Why don't we just go to Quest who, I, you know, Jim Akerley's great. Tyler Nauman's coaching there right now. Like, if I was going to send my kids somewhere, you know, it's right. It's not that far from me. I have a relationship with those guys. Like that's a great option. But again, I wanted that community around my kid and I wanted to make sure it was local. And honestly, the South Hills, I saw a need there. Upper St. Clair, Bethel Park, Mount Lebanon. Um, which one of those are the powerhouse, right? Not to bash any of our programs, but like, you know, Bethel's the last one to win a Whitbill title. I think it was 2010, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've had great individuals, man. Nino Bonacorsi is as good as anybody. Jake Wenzel. Bullsack coming out of South Park. Um, Lebo, we've got our stout brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably leaving some kids out, you know, but we've yeah, had individuals. Sure. Uh, yeah, we've had individuals, but we haven't had teams, right? And so I thought there was a missing component here that I thought could really help the South Hills wrestling community. Baldwin, you know, these schools, Pierce Township, Upper St. Clair, that type of deal. So that, that was the birth of it. Um, last year, I only did second through sixth grade. Um, that was all I wanted to handle and take on. I didn't want to start a club because I didn't want it to be my life. I got out of wrestling, and when I got out of coaching wrestling professionally, I got a job that allowed me to have a work phone and a personal phone, and my work phone goes off after work, and I don't know how to worry about it, right? And um, I was worried that if I started getting into a club, that was going to change again, and I was going to get sucked in, and also, I never wanted my boys or my daughter, who has no interest in wrestling at this point, but I never wanted my kids to feel like they had to wrestle, and if dad has a club that he's going to five nights a week, how do you tell dad you don't want to go anymore, right? True, and so. Yeah. I never wanted to put that on them. I never, I always wanted them to choose the sport. I got to choose the sport. My dad never wrestled. My stepdad wrestled a little bit in high school, but you know, at any moment, if I asked my mom, if I could quit hands down, would never be a conversation. Absolutely. You can quit. And to me, I thought maybe it was reverse psychology in a way, but I felt that's what helped drive me to it even more. Right. Right. Uh, So I never wanted that, but then I found out I needed, so COVID happened. COVID was a good thing for me because it kicked me out of that church and it forced me to treat it more like a business. And now I have a facility in Bethel park that I run. And now we do novice. We do an advanced youth. We do junior high and high school. So we're five days a week right now. I've got a great staff helping out. Jesse Delgado, um, two-time national champ is, is helping out. And he's great because he's totally different than me. Right. right. I'm like, a, I'm like a high energy fund. I show five different techniques at you at a time. He's like a perfectionist. Like, Mm-hmm. We're drawing our stance for the next 45 minutes. 
I don't. I know your back hurts. <laughs> I know your neck hurts, but your stance sucks, and we're going to drill it for 45 minutes. You know, so you know he's running practice tonight, and I'm sure he's got him doing. He's going to be doing. We did defense the other night. I'm sure he's doing high crotch defense all night tonight, right? One thing over and over again until it's perfect. You know, it's like that Miracle on Ice clip where he's like on the line again, you know, do it again. Like Jesse's right, like right. that. And so he's really into the fine details of the sport. Um, so t- different than me. And then I've got a number of other coaches. Nick Zanetta's helping me out, which is so yeah. cool to have a kid that I was able to coach. Now he's helping coach with me. And, Nick and he's a awesome. Lefty. He's Love a lefty. Nicky. So he can help my son out who's a lefty. Um, yeah. And Anthony pops in and, and uh, Joe Fink from Mars drives his crew down from Mars. And, and so we got a great group of people, Blake from Baldwin and just Mark Alamang, our high school coach. At Alamang, we got a great group of people helping out. And that's, yeah. to me, it's so important to have good people. It's selfish, man. It's all selfish. I want to surround my kid around good people. Um, and I put in, and they're great people and great families involved. And so it's year two, man, and we're growing and um, running a club is, it's a, you know, it takes a lot of work, and I think people realize that, but it's a huge financial commitment and a huge time commitment, and so far, the the, the payback has been um, more than rewarding. You know, getting to know these kids and their families has been, you know, it's what I look forward to. I have a job. Yeah. I'm thankful that I have a job, you know, so I don't have to coach wrestling. It's not my living anymore. It gets to truly be my passion. And, awesome. Um, so that's the deal. Good stuff, man. Great stuff. And you talk about the South Hills Wrestling Academy and just some of those names that you're bringing in, you know, and the, the Jesse Delgado, the Zanetta brothers, uh, yeah. you know, Coach Almeg from, you know, the head coach for uh, Mount Lebanon, who's coached the Stout brothers. Um, that's right. It, just incredible stuff. So I hope Almeg can hang on another decade to coach my kids, Mark. <laughs> if you're listening out there, Coach, that's it. there you go. Uh, yeah. So – uh, one more thing I want to bring up, and, and this is kind of a, ending on a fun note, and I end everyone kind of the same way. And it, you said you've listened to my past. Uh, yeah, the near so falls. Hopefully yep. you, you, you've uh, chewed on this. So give yeah. me your favorite pin or near fall that you as a coach or as an athlete you've ever been part of and break that story down for me. Can I give you like three quick ones? I'll give you one good That's one. That's fine. You can give me okay. three quick ones. Personal for me, athletically, qualifying for state my freshman year, for the state tournament my freshman year, was huge and I remember I remember being really nervous before the match the kid beat me earlier in the regional tournament and I had to come back in my region you had to take third so it was third place it's either this is it or this is in not it. and that's the first year of my life I ever wrote down my goals you know I wanted to be a state qualifier and um here it was I had one match to do it I you know it's one minute one two two right so I had five minutes to do it and I remember being so nervous I went to the bathroom beforehand I was like that self-talk like hey I um you had a great freshman year you know, if you lose, no big deal. No one's going to be mad at you. And then I was washing my hands. I looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, what are you saying to yourself? Like making these excuses <laughs> to let yourself out, right? And we all do that. We all make these little excuses of why it's okay to lose. I'm like, it's not. Go win this match, whatever it freaking takes. And I go out there. I'm like, I'm going to win this match. I shake hands. Freshman year, um, kid from Erie Prep. And he comes out and fireman's carries me in the first, like, 10 seconds. Oh, I'm like, and then this doubt starts creeping in. Again. Hey, you had a good freshman year. It's okay. You know, and I wrestled through the match. I ended up hitting a tilt and won the match, right? And so that near fall sent me to the state tournament. And I remember I remember being so excited. I didn't sign my bout sheet. I was just like kind of, where's my parents? Where's my coach? You know, I just wanted to celebrate. And um, <laughs> that was one. Another one in my personal career, also in high school. My junior year of high school, I, I, my sophomore year, I didn't make it to states. So I was kind of at a crossroads of like, do I continue to push as hard as I was doing? I felt like I was doing more than everybody but I wasn't getting anywhere. I watched some of my high school teammates have more success than me. And I was like, that's not fair. You know, do I, do I, do I pump the brakes a little bit and settle down? 
or do I continue down the path? And honestly, I didn't pump the brakes, but I took some of the pressure off myself. And I actually, I trained less my junior and senior high school than I did my freshman, sophomore year. I was doing morning workout, high school workout. And then I was going to um, Ken Sherto's club in the evening. And it was three workouts. It was just, for me, I was, I was cutting a lot of weight. I was overtrained. It was all that stuff. And then my junior year, I went into the state tournament, just hoping I could sneak onto the podium. And I ended up tech falling my guy for third. And wow. so, yeah. And, and so I, I teched him in the second period. So it's only a one minute first period. I got a takedown. I got really good at a cross wrist series and I turned him, I turned him, I turned him and I tech fought him in the second period. I got my hand raised. I left Hershey park arena. Like, dude, you could have won this thing. Like next year you're winning this. And so that was a big turning point for me of like proving to myself what I was doing was working and I had made it. I was one of the best in the state. And so that was, that was a cool moment. Now as a coach, um, I'll start with, with, with one that was fun. Um, Mikey Rashado, we were wrestling Oklahoma State. And Mikey Rashado. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to bring this one up. I was in the stands. Yeah. Let's so Mikey, go. You were in the stands? Yes, sir. Yes, oh, sir. what a day for pit wrestling, man. Oh, what incredible. Day. It was, for me as a coach, like, I remember driving home just smiling ear to ear, like, wow, like, what these guys are doing is working. What these guys are doing is special. And so, yeah. you know, that was when we started thinking, like, man, we could be one of the best teams. Like, let's go. So, yeah. Mikey was a freshman, right? Him and Edgar Bright were freshmen. I think true, yeah, true, true freshman. Edgar yep. Bright gets a win. Um, and Mikey Rashado's wrestling Kindig, who was All-American, I believe finalist maybe. Yeah. And, uh, boom, elevator, right? High flyer to his back, pins him, stands up, flexes, crowd's going nuts. And that, that propelled us into beating Oklahoma State that day, who was like yep. third in the country. Not to take credit from PJ's winning against Austin Margin, heavyweight. We bumped PJ up the heavyweight. He won that match for us in overtime. He also threw the guy to his back to win. But that was a good that one, moment, too. Yep. That moment was electric. Uh, Mikey had another good pin at Penn State. We sold uh, – Penn State wrestled in front of 16,000 people. We set the attendance record ever that match. Um, it's yep. since been broken by the football crowds. But um, he pinned an All-American. I'm drawing a blank on the kid's name. He pinned an All-American and tied the match at the halfway point going into it. So that was that was cool, but not as cool as pinning Oakley State yeah. to drive us to a win. But my favorite pin, I would say, as a coach – we were wrestling Virginia Tech at home. At this point, I think we won the ACC championship the year before. We were trying to defend, and Virginia Tech was getting really good, right? They're, they're knocking on our door. And um, it came down to heavyweight, and Zach Thomas' site was good, but we needed bonus. We needed four. We needed a major. And it went to, it went to overtime. He was wrestling someone good. Zach Thomas' site's in overtime. We're like, hey, Zach, just get the win, dude. Like, the dual meet's over. Just get the win. You know, secure your win for seeding for nationals and ACCs. Um, so he doesn't do anything in overtime. He just stands there, doesn't even try to win. And we're like, what is this guy doing? We go in. Actually, no, that's a lie. Because at the end of the period, he was in on a single leg. Doesn't try to finish. He doesn't try to finish. Oh he's, coming out the, he's coming out the back door, split the middle. He's trying to pin the kid. He's trying to sit on him. And the ref slaps the mat and goes, pin. And we're like, oh, my gosh. And then they look at it, video review. Time was out. We're going to ride out, uh, right? Zach, Zach pins him to win the dual meet, but right. they took it away. Now right. we go to ride out. It's Zach's turn on ride out. We're like, Zach, get out and win the match, right? Okay, the other kid goes. He rides the other kid out. Now it's Zach's turn. If Zach gets one point, he wins. What's Zach do? Puts his head on the mat. And we're like, what's he doing? And so the guy goes claw ride. Zach forces a roll, hips over, and pins the guy to win the dual meet. It was Oh, insane. my God. Yep, it was insane. It was great. That's incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. I, yeah, I was in there the day uh, against Oklahoma State. That was some magical stuff. I've never heard – 
I've never been more part of a more electric scene at a wrestling match yep. uh, than that. That was that was incredible. And you know, I knew I you know I knew PJ and I knew Troy, and that was around my age group. To see those guys do so well was so cool. Sure, so, and Oki State it wasn't a down year. They're ranked third. Yeah, or something. yeah they were really really good. Ken really Dig. Cool about the here's what's yeah. really cool about that lineup for us. I don't even think that was the most talented team I ever coached. Right. I mean, look at this, and this is not knocking any of those guys, right? Anthony's in at a loss. Who, when he loses, we pretty much, you know, we needed him to win every time. Right. Right. Um, Shelton Mack lost, and then freshman Edgar Bright wins. Freshman Mikey Rashado goes double rainbow flex. Right. You know, Eric Nutter wrestled Alex Daringer. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. going through this. Be a PJ Tasser at heavyweight. Like, not that they're nobodies, but like. Yeah. What a lineup to do something like that. And I'll tell you what, that team was so close. They were so about winning dual meets that – and here's the thing about PJ. PJ would have never in a million years won that match in an open tournament. But because right. the dual meet was on the line, that kid always showed up for the team. You know, I bigger than anything. I love it. So cool. So, so cool. So, Matt, before I leave you go, do you have anything else for me? No, man. I appreciate it. It was fun reliving some of the glory years, you know. <laughs> for sure man and you know uh i i hope that uh you know we get in touch with i get in touch with some of your other teammates and we just kind of keep rolling down this pit road i'm really enjoying uh, learning about the history of pit um so thank you guys for listening uh great great talk here with matt i hope you guys check out south hills wrestling academy uh matt do you want to sh uh, shoot out your times real quick of when you guys are practicing and things of that nature So right now, um, we're trying to keep our group sizes to 25 still because of COVID. So we're kind of locked in until November 9th, we start our new session. But um, our high school during the season, and it's dependent on how the high school season goes, right? But assuming they have a regular season, we're going to go Sundays and Tuesdays with them. So Sunday morning, Tuesday evenings. Our advanced youth is uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then our, our developmental youth will be Friday nights. So yeah, we got a lot of wrestling going on. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So check out Matt over at South Hills Wrestling Academy. One of my favorite conversations I've had so far here on my show. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, thank you for listening to Weird Balls with Dion. Love you guys.